The April 20th Mindful Parenting Retreat Day is filling up fast. Join me and other parents in Wilmington, Delaware for a day of rest and relaxation, mindfulness and mindful communication practices, and a live podcast too. And my special guest for the live podcast is, drumroll please, Lynetta Willis. You know her from episode 366 and 400. She is a psychologist and sought-after speaker who teaches her Triggered to Transformed program to struggling parents. Join us and bring a friend to this powerful day-long retreat in Wilmington, Delaware on April 20th, 2024. But hurry, space is limited. Go to mindfulmamamentor.com slash retreat to get your spot now. That's mindfulmamamentor.com slash retreat. You're listening to the Mindful Mama podcast, episode 129. Today, we're talking about How to Raise Generation Mindful with Suzanne Tucker. Welcome to the Mindful Mama podcast. Here it's about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm within, then you can give it to your children. I'm your host, Hunter Clarkfield's Mindful Mama mentor. I coach overstressed moms on how to cultivate calm in their daily lives to create more peace and cooperation in their families. I've been practicing mindfulness for over 20 years. I'm the creator of the Mindful Parenting Course, and I'm the mom of two girls who challenge me every day to hone my craft. Welcome. I'm so glad you are here today. I'm so welcome back. If you are part of this Mindful Mama tribe, and welcome, welcome, welcome if you are brand new. In just a moment, I'm going to be sitting down with Suzanne Tucker. In just a moment, I'm going to be sitting down with Suzanne Tucker, and I'm going to be asking her about mindful parenting and how she turns things around with her own children. And Suzanne is a parent educator and founder of Generation Mindful, a line of educational tools and toys that nurture emotional intelligence playfully. And make sure you stay tuned to the end of the podcast because I'm going to let you know where you can get one of my personal favorite thing that Generation Mindful has made, the Time In Toolkit. You're going to hear how our brain is ever adaptable and we can flip situations to see every challenge as a gift. You're going to learn what Suzanne's super powerful mantra is that saves her in tough moments and how punishment and boundaries are two different things and what are the differences between punishment and boundaries. But before we dive into this episode, I'm going to give you a quick message about our upcoming free mindful parenting training coming up real soon. Are you frustrated with parenting? Do you want to practice conscious, compassionate parenting, but you don't know how? It's not easy, and there's no roadmap for this. Until now. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, creator of the Mindful Parenting Course, and I know how frustrating it is because I've been there. I struggled as a young mom, and when I found myself yelling and triggered by my child, I knew there had to be a better way, and there is. Mindful parenting is different from other parenting trainings. They don't tell you that all of that good advice is as good as useless when our internal stress response is triggered. Mindful parenting teaches you research-based tools and practices to reduce your stress response so that you can respond rather than react. And it teaches you exactly what to say so that you can create willing cooperation from your child. You can learn more and enroll at mindfulparentingcourse.com. And you can join us for a free live training coming up soon where you'll learn why your kids don't listen to you, how your brain undermines your parenting, and how to create cooperative kids without losing your temper. Sign up now at mindfulparentingcourse.com slash free training. That's mindfulparentingcourse.com slash free training. I'll see you there. And now on to this episode. Suzanne, thank you so much for coming on the Mindful Mama podcast. 
Thank you so much for having me, Hunter. <laughs> I'm so glad we could talk. I'm so excited to introduce my audience to the work you're doing and, and all the work on an emotional intelligence and playfulness and connecting Before with kids into and all of this like amazing stuff that you're doing. I'm really curious about you and your own story. And, and some of the ways I like to bring this back is to think about like, you know, you're very interested in parenting, mindful parenting, conscious parenting. What was your own parenting story like? Like, how were you parented as a kid? Is this something that you are like extending or you're rebelling against? Or what was that like for you? Yeah, so such a great question. It's all full circle, isn't it? It's all it's all generational. I see yeah. your work that that thread that is generational. So thank you for asking. I am I'm a daughter actually of parents who never yelled, right? So wow. <laughs> people say, what? So my mom and dad raised seven children. I'm the fifth of seven. And I can honestly say to you that my mom never, I, I have no memory of her yelling. But what I do remember is the power that my parents yielded in their expectations of me. And I was a cooperative child, right? I was one of those kids out there that wants to do good and be good. And so really early on, I internalized this idea that if I, if I was good enough, right, if I did good, that I was good. And so I guess in today's world, you'd call it a fixed mindset as opposed to a growth mindset. And, you know, it was never overtly spoken as a family belief system that I needed to be good to be loved. But I think that's what's so interesting about how the child's brain works is that children are just little scientists. And I certainly was. I was a big time watcher. I like to watch people. I still do. And I, I'm an empath. So I was deeply feeling. And that really confused me as a child in a big family who sort of got the memo that it was about being happy, happy, happy and, and doing good and being right. So that, that actually hugely influenced me and my work. My work is I'm a physical therapist for 25 years and my husband and I own a holistic health center in St. Louis and that collaborative holistic East meets West way of seeing the person and healing and everything we're doing is really the root of Generation Mindful. So I started a community for parents and educators that said, you know what? We are love like period, right now, just the way we are. There's nothing to do and nowhere to go. We can really just rest into the love that we are. And from that place, from our enoughness, we can grow. So that is, thank you for asking. Nobody's really <laughs> ever asked me about why that, going way back, but I think that would be my, my why. It's so amazing. That's so, so unusual to have parents who never yelled. I imagine it must, must have been weird for you to like go to a friend's house and have like a, a, a parent, I mean, you know, cause that happens, you know, you go visit your friends and they're like, go do this, you know, or whatever. That must've been really strange to experience other people's. Yeah. And again, like I said, and I'm sure you, you are an empath as well or a deeply feeling child if you think back. So I was so deeply feeling that yes, other, other adults, I got to say, frankly, scared me, you know, yeah. I, I was I was such a watcher that people don't need to yell for you to get the memo. You know, if you think about, <laughs> I like to think about puppies, you know, and the way we are with dogs, you can use hand signals, you can use body language, and they're so cued in that they're listening. And some of us don't know that we start to train a dog and we think we have to yell at them for, for them to hear us. And I think if you think back to people maybe don't make that connection with children, it's really the same. They're really cued into us with their limbic brains so subtly, at least I was as a child, that people that yelled that, yeah, really did throw me off. I, I thought, what? Why are, what's going on? <laughs> Why are we getting all crazy about it? But I also want to say that, you know, it, it, it doesn't take yelling to throw negative energies out there in the world, right? So yeah. I do think that it really is about our intention and, and that it's not about being perfect with our kids. We can yell and mm -hmm. we can be angry and we can be frustrated. For me, it's about noticing and owning those things. And the one lacking, I would say, as a child growing up is that there was a lot of unclaimed emotion going on, you know, because 
Yeah. Not yelling. I don't even know if that's the most healthy thing in the world. Never <laughs> <laughs> yelling. Because sometimes we are having big emotions. And if we can put a word to them or claim them, like, you know, I'm just yeah. really frustrated right now. I find that that's a, that's a real healthy environment for adults and children. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, to acknowledge those things. So, I mean, it's huge. It just just labeling something provides so much relief, like as we know, right? Yes. Uh, unclaimed emotion. So it sounds like, you know, there was there was that pressure, pressure to to be good, to be loved and to always kind of be positive and etc. It was definitely the the belief system that I internalized and it, it doesn't mean that it was so. Mm-hmm. I think that's what's yeah. really liberating for us as parents to understand that our children are souls. They're having a unique spiritual experience. And that's what I came to study and work on was the love that I am innately, whether it's being validated from outside of me or not. And certainly it was being validated. I have super loving parents and my, I mean, my, my formative youth experiences are so uh, incredibly foundational and grounding. They're really a blessing. But I think it's a lot of the foundation for the work that I do was that, but I'm here to tell people that if we think we're going to do it right and parent perfect <laughs> and right, and that our children are gonna grow up without any challenges, or if we think that they're our, our fault, that our children are growing and struggling, you know, I would be a perfect testimony to say, no, that is false. We're just each spiritual beings on a path, on a journey to learn and grow. And that, and that happens through experience, you know? Yeah, I I appreciate you re- you saying that because it's it makes sense. Like we we have these meaning making brains, right? We're always wanting to know why and how and why why. why? Back to why? Can we talk about why again? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and so when we think about ourselves, we get some self understanding, and we think about the way things are and why are the way things are. You know, there's always that tendency of you know, of course, and and obviously I have that curiosity too. You know, we trace things back to to how we were raised and how we grew up. And so then there's that very much human tendency of blaming and, and judgment. And it's some seem it's hard for, it's very hard for moms, especially to escape that self blaming and that self judgment. And it's, it's sometimes it's like, you know, we can't hear those words enough that, that we're, we are going to mess up. And, but it's also in some ways, like not our fault, you know? Yeah, actually, I feel like it comes down to our expectations. And I'm really big on goal setting and then canceling goals that are running me that aren't working for me. And I really believe in the body embodied experience. So looking to I daily, hourly, really by the minute, turn back into my body and say, what is my internal experience about what's going on in my world right now? And when I say my world, my thoughts. So one of the radars that I have set up for myself that was really helpful early on when I was transforming the amount of shame and guilt that was kind of running me was I started to put out a radar that, that looked for the word should and try. And I, re- I really benefited from that every time that would show up or any sort of feeling of guilt in my body. And I would say it was when my, I have four children, they're almost 18 15 and twins that are eight. And it was when my oldest two girls were probably like three and five that I was at this pivotal place of recognizing that I was, where was my joy? You know, where was my joy? Mm -hmm. That I was really running a number on myself with a lot of stress that I thought I was going to do it right. You know, I was going to just do this thing right. And I was setting the bar so high all the time for myself that even though I was nailing it, let's say I was at 95%, there wasn't that joy factor of celebrating what was going on in myself. When I started to look to my thoughts and identify, oh, there's guilt running you right now, or there's less than bliss in your body right now. What does it feel like in your body? It feels heavy. I would just stop and literally breathe in through my nose I am love. And then I would breathe out through my nose. I am enough. Mm. And that practice, that very simple practice, my my mantra has pretty much saved my life because I just, I needed to anchor my thoughts somewhere. And that was the way that I did it. And that was the way that I took what I consider truth and brought it into my body to where it could really live for me. 
And, and that, to me, that, that was the turning point, that practice. Mm, I love that. Breathing in, I am love. Breathing out, I am enough. You know, some healthy skepticism in my life has served me well. And if you're like that, if you can spot a too-good-to-be-true health hack from about a mile away, you read labels like it's your job, congratulations, you're a skeptic. And Ritual knows that every good skeptic deserves a multivitamin that exceeds your standards. I take Ritual's Essentials for Women 18 Plus every single day, morning and at lunch. And I am feeling great. I love this vitamin. Rituals Essentials for Women is USP verified, so you know you can trust what you're putting in your body. Only about 1% of supplement brands on the market have the USP verified mark, which shows the product contains the ingredients actually listed on the label. Plus, Ritual Vitamins are vegan, non-GMO, project verified, gluten and major allergen free, certified B Corp, and made traceable. They select lower carbon packaging, they prioritize sustainably sourced ingredients, and set ambitious climate goals. Plus, Ritual is a female-founded B Corp, which means they are responsible to the health of people and our planet. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com mindful. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash mindful for 25% off. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. We need that. We need that so much. It's amazing how harmful and difficult our, our brain is. <laughs> as far as... You know what? It's, it's amazing. <laughs> harmful and difficult are two great words. Yeah. I, I, would, I would put an asterisk by that and I would put adaptable. Yes, I'm adaptable. In awe of how adaptable we are as human beings. And I think every gift has a challenge. Every gift has a challenge. That's how I look at my life and my children. I, I, I think, and, and when I do coaching, you know, sometimes we're quick to come up with the problem. We see it as a problem. And I teach baby massage every Friday, every morning, Friday morning at 10 a.m. I sit in a circle. It's a sacred circle of parents, brand new babies, you know, in the world. And we're full of the struggle, right? And the challenge. And sometimes we're just getting to know our little one's natures too. And, and, and that can kind of throw us. But what we practice is just sort of breathing into what is in this circle. They can be crying. They can be very sensitive. They could be sleeping when we went them up. You know, it's just a whole bunch of letting go is what it is. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's about that flipping what I see. Like you said earlier, the judgment mind what I see as a challenge or a problem, quote unquote, I like to structure it as a, as a challenge and then look for the opportunity on the other side. <laughs> that helps me a lot, you know? So I think that our brain is highly adaptable and, you know, there's this research around dopamine. I, I'm sort of a research junkie. I love the amount of information we have out there about the brain and how a relationship and, and, and mindfulness specifically but I also know that information can be disempowering for us if we're not careful, right? So we need to read things, take in the information, let it filter through us, 
and then look for that embodied wisdom in our body that says, Oh, I love that. That's for me, you know, and it'll just light you up when you feel something that's for you. So I, I had that experience when I was reading about dopamine in the body and how highly adaptable we are. Have you read much about this, about this that I'm talking about? I'm not sure. I'm really curious to see, hear what you're saying about the, the dopamine because it's not ringing a bell for me. But I, I want to put a footnote on, I love how you took like, oh, how the brain is, can be so harmful in some ways. I'm thinking about like, of course, the, you know, the, the negative mindset and that kind of like fear part of the brain, but it's also, of course, very helpful. And I'm really glad you underscored that and talked about that adaptability. So please tell, tell me about the dopamine research. Okay, sure. Okay. Well, okay. So they did the study where let's imagine you're walking to work every day, Hunter, and on your way to work, there is a $20 bill. They measured your reactive states and your chemical states in your body, both by blood and then the brain waves, what was going on in the brain. And they found that you had this huge rise in dopamine. So dopamine is sort of a feel-good neurotransmitter that says, do more of this, right? I like this. Mm -hmm. And so it's actually found in learning in the body. So when we do something that works for us, that dopamine hits the reward center of our brain. It makes us want to do it more. And so what they found in this research, though, is that every day you're walking to work, they put this $20 bill down. And after about seven days, guess what happens? Your brain adapts to now expecting to find a random $20 bill on your way to work. And when you don't find the $20 bill, not only do you stay level in your pleasure state in your body, you actually go down, right? So now, just because you're not finding a $20 bill, you're having a negative embodied experience. I read that and I was like, oh, mind-blowing, right? Like this so explains my life, right? <laughs> I am setting the bar every day as if I'm going to find a $20 bill on the ground and then I don't find a $20 bill, my embodied experience goes down. So do you know what I did? I started shifting my goals. And that is the brilliance of having an adaptable brain. If you're not aware of it, it can run you. But if you're aware of it, you're now sort of in the control panel, control seat, where you can set that, reset those expectations. So the way I do that and the way I teach with my, my community is by daily setting small goals and then celebrating them like you are a rock star <laughs> when you hit them. And that could be like, I wiped the counters, boom, you know, rock star. <laughs> And so I literally make it a practice to celebrate in my day, myself, and the, the little things. And that's become a big part of what Generation Mindful is. You know, we're a line of practical, playful tools that nurture emotional intelligence. And the way we work is literally based on that science. So I want to help you break it down and celebrate. Boom, I rock. Look at what, what we just did. We just connected around a card game. And we're sharing and we're making eye contact and we're having these little moments together, you know, and it's fun. And so I want to help make that an easy, practical, kind of a ritual or habit for families, mindfulness, connection, attachment, all that theory and all that science is awesome, but it can also run, run us and disempower us if we don't feel like we're able to do it or celebrate ourselves in that. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Breaking it, breaking it down into small bits and then celebrating those wins and appreciating that, you know, it sounds like you have a great appreciation practice. Like, yes, this is, <laughs> I appreciate this thing. And that's an important practice. Get into all the science around gratitude. I guess that would be it. Yes. Habit. Yeah. Habit to get into. So what led you to start creating these, these products and things to help people help kids and parents connect over emotional intelligence? Mm -hmm. Well, I think it was actually, it was the parents in my positive parenting classes, which I did for years, I've done for decades. But in the last two years, I've been doing them pretty regularly live in, in groups of 30. And I learned so much through those experiences. And the main trigger for me was a mom that after the end of class, she raised her hand and she said, uh, Suzanne, I'm hearing you in my head 
And I said, I'm so sorry. You know, and she said, no, no, it's not a bad thing. She said, I was going to lose it on my child last night and lose it, like really lose it. And she said, I just, out of nowhere in my head, I heard connect before you correct, which is a mantra we use in class a lot. And she said, literally with that phrase in my head, everything shifted. She said she got down low. She made eye contact. She did all the things, right? And th- and she said that she, she felt that they just, like, they they just flowed for her. They, it wasn't like she worked at it, you know? She had been working at it before. And so she was having kind of an embodied experience, is what I would, is what I would say. And after she shared that, she said, so how do I do that again? How do I do that more when I'm feeling stressed or my child is acting out? How do I share that with my husband? How do I, you know, she was a list of hows. And I just breathed into that experience. I had one of those moments in my body. It was a profound moment where I really identified the struggle. And the struggle that I saw was the embodiment, the embodiment of the knowledge. And, you know, so that was easy. I went home and it just started coming to me. The answer was play. The answer was play. The answer was daily and ritual. And it was starting with our thoughts, right? So it's our thoughts, our words, and our actions. And so with that, I set out and I created a game called Peacemakers, which was really the first thing that came to me. I knew I wanted this community was coming, but it really came out in the form of the first product. And it just started unfolding from there. You know, as I identified our six core values it was then easy. It was just like, they just kept coming. It's like, okay, just transforming everyday problems that we're facing as parents. That led to the time in toolkit because in my work, I just family after family found myself coaching families away from the punitive and timeouts and coaching them into the affirmative, which again is the brain science is how the brain actually learns was through the positive and through play. And I did that enough times that I kind of woke myself up and said, okay, here's the op- next opportunity is turn that into something fun, you know, that just begs to be done every day. And, and that's sort of the course we're on is identifying the hard parts, the challenges and turning them into opportunities and then solving them in playful ways that become a practice or a ritual. So I'm so excited to like get your cards, but I haven't, they haven't arrived yet. <laughs> so I don't, I can't get to speak. Well, you know what? Do uh, you want to play? Because I have a deck here and I've played with people. I've played with people on, uh, over the computer. All right. Let's play. You want to play? Bring, okay. Bring it, Suzanne. Bring it. Bring in the fun. Yeah. You know, we could talk about play all day, but let's just do it. <laughs> so well, the deck comes with 42 cards. They're they're affirming mantras, right? They all came out of my positive parenting classes. And what I love about the deck is it, it leans into the science that says we actually, we teach by example, right? Yeah. We learn through connection and play and we teach by example. So it comes with seven cards. They're the white cards that are really just made for you and me, the, the parents and the educators, and even maybe the adult children or teens of the world. They're going to be wanting to play with the seven card deck. And then it comes with a 35-card deck that breaks these sort of seven theme or bigger mantra concepts down into tiny little nugget bite-sized mantras that even a three-year-old can grab onto and laugh and play with. So that if you can visualize a deck in front of me with 35 blue cards that are the kid cards and then the seven adult cards. So I'm shuffling right now, Hunter, and you are going to just feel in your body. Just take a deep breath in through your nose, out through your nose. And coming to the deck, my little seven-year-old said to me, mommy, I think my card picks me like that. And I said, I think you're right. So it's that experience of your card picking you right now that I want you to have in your body, Hunter. And when you feel it, just say, just say now, and I'll stop my finger on your card. Now. There it is. And so your card says, it has a little cute little red bear on it. And it says power. I am powerful. I am part of a whole. I teach and guide by example. I help others know themselves as powerful and connected. Amen, sister. You are (laughs) and that is that is the root chakra today for you. That's vibrating in. So 
for me, this work, it's on many levels. It's not only words, but it's color and it's energetic. So I might pull this card and then I might put on a little red nail polish, you know, bring in the red today. Or I might just hang little red bear up somewhere that I can see him or her and let that kind of marinate in my body today. So for you, there it is. That's your word. I love it. Uh, I can, I'll take that. I'll take it. And then sometimes we play in the game of like, then maybe you think about that and maybe you want to share, you know, or maybe you don't, (laughs) you know, what, what lives for you today when you, when you hear those words or say those words. Yeah. Well, you know, this podcast is sharing uh, powerful messages and I have other work connecting with people today that I'm, I'm really excited to, to share some powerful messages with too. So yeah, this completely resonates with me. So this is cool. So you, everybody, you pick a card. So you, you envision this as like a family getting together and kind of like daily connecting with these positive, powerful mantras to, to just nurture these, these positive mindsets. It is. And it, it makes it a practice. So a lot of people will pull the card in the morning at the kitchen table when they're eating breakfast and they'll put their literally just magnet them up on the, on the refrigerator. And then at the, you know, when your child comes home from school, instead of, you know, how was school today, you know, which is like, fine, (laughs) Uh, these can become conversation prompts. So, or a lot of times parents revisit it at bedtime. And so they're tucking them in and you are love. Did that, did little lovebird come up for you today? Did you see little lovebird today? Did that message come up for you today? And sometimes the answer is no, and that's okay. So the conversation we're having can be really deep around a vibration or around a thought. Positive or affirming messages don't only work by almost like, brainwashing you. I think that's how (laughs) positive affirmations work. They actually bump into cellular memories in our body that do not match. Think about a tuning fork. If I had a tuning fork, it's going to vibrate a similar tuning fork that's by it. It will send that resonance energy over and it will actually cause that other tuning fork to vibrate. Hmm. When I say a word in my body, if that resonates truth in me, it'll find that kind of matching tuning fork in my body and it'll start to vibrate it. And that would be like an affirming message that, you know, that's how that kind of strengthens that in us. But at times it'll actually bump into a wall that it's actually not vibrating for us. And so that's when I sort of go to that place in my body and I breathe and I break it down and I look for the negative belief systems that I'm carrying and, I, and that's where I, I go to work in cleaning those up. And that's actually how these work in a very more complicated way to explain it with parents and children or actually educators and children. But they don't need to know all of that. They can literally just be having these conversations and they're going to be doing this deep inner healing work that transforms generational patterns yeah. through belief systems. Yeah, just by uh, questioning them, becoming aware of them, these cards are helping you to be, you know, really kind of check in with what feels like truth in your body. It is, yeah, and a playful way, you know, so smiles, it's eye contact, it's all based on that limbic brain that says, if we're connected and I feel safe, then I can... I can learn and grow. I can share with you. I can, I can talk to you about how I hit Bobby on the head today because I wanted a toy it was holding because mm-hmm. I feel safe with you right now. And you can actually, you actually have a chance to teach me now because we're, we're connected. We're connected brain to brain. And now when you go to teach me about something, I can actually pick it up and embody it and take it powerfully empowered by what you're telling me instead of just shamed. Oh, I'm bad. I suck. I hit Bobby over the head. That's not nice. Everybody knows that nice, not nice. I must be a monster. You know, I think that's what a lot of three-year-old little scientists out there are determining from their little science experiments out in the lab called the world. They're determining that wow, clearly I've got this wrong (laughs) (laughs) because I've got these inclinations in my body that are rooted in self-preservation. You know, I want the toy, I'm going to get the toy. And so really the movement that we're on is getting rid of the shame and teaching children in a way that feels safe about the body, about relationships. And then with those abilities to name their emotions and regulate their bodies, 
come these sort of high-level mastery skills that you and I know exist in the prefrontal cortex of the brain, you know, an area that only starts wiring about age three and doesn't really get done till age 26. So instead of sort of running a number on children like, hey, how come you're not operating with a full, you know, deck of cards, we're actually connecting with them developmentally appropriately and, and helping them form a really strong prefrontal cortex that they can access. If you like this show, there's a decent chance you'll also enjoy the Shameless Mom Academy. Hi, I'm Sarah Dean, the founder and host of the Shameless Mom Academy. The Shameless Mom Academy is a podcast for moms that centers moms more than it centers your kids. I'm not going to teach you how to make baby food or how to make your three-year-old or 13-year-old stop having tantrums. Instead, I'm going to bring you back to yourself. For the last 20 years, I've been helping moms through growth and transformation. Inside the Shameless Mom Academy, I help you identify who you are and who you are becoming. Look, motherhood is hard. It brought me to my knees many times and sometimes still does. Returning to who I am and who I am becoming allows me to decide how to show up in all those sticky motherhood moments, but also in all my other relationships and in all the ways I show up in my various communities. So come check out the Shameless Mom Academy wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm willing to bet you'll leave feeling a little inspired and maybe even completely fired up. And you'll probably laugh a few times because I promise we never take ourselves too seriously over here. With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely going to find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. <laughs> well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. So I love everything you're saying, and I want to take the role a little bit of devil's advocate here. And for one thing I work on a lot with my parents is this idea that for something like hitting, don't I have to like create a boundary? And then by they, what they mean by a boundary is I have to yell, I have to stop it, I have to you know create a punitive boundary in order for them to understand that this is really wrong. So. Talk to me a little bit about how you might talk a parent through that. Great question. So number one, you do need boundaries. Absolutely. And boundaries are love. So where we get really confused is that punishment and boundaries are two different things. Punishment causes aversion response. So if I punish you for something, then I'm creating a negative embodied experience that creates an aversion response within you. Okay. That's how punishment works. It's like if you have a lab rat in the thing and it goes and does something and it gets gets zapped by electricity, that lab rat will potentially avoid doing that thing based on fear of getting zapped. Okay. That's punishment. Mm -hmm. Discipline is to lead and guide by example. It's from the root word disciple. So discipline is boundaries and it's rooted in feedback like a scientist would get when something happens there's a cause and effect and then you learn from the effect but the embodied experience of discipline is not one of fear okay it's actually i'm in my body i'm in my thinking brain i'm processing what's going on and i can learn from it like i'm a scientist okay so the distinction is do I need to lead into fear and shame in order to teach children? And that's the, that's the big lie. That's the embodied experience many of us have because we were taught that way. So we believe in what we experience, right? So there's no shame at, at having that truth in your body as a truth that you think that we need to have punishment in order to teach. If you are there right now, I I hold my heart open to you 
in the biggest way, I want to just wrap my arms around you and just breathe with you. I'm not here to challenge you or to say you're wrong. Not at all. I honor that that is the embodied experience that you have. And in that place of just love and connection and safety, when we're there together, I would open up that door for you that says, learning happens when we can take what is happening out in our external word, world, embody it and make it our own and then act on it. And that's the opportunity we have for a child who just hit a child over the head. We have an opportunity for self-awareness, empathy and compassion for others, and then a little tiny brain that gets to work on how do I, quote, make this right, right? Or how can I go back and do a do-over such that the end result that I just saw happen, which is my best friend crying and me feeling really sad in my body, how can I do a replay where I've learned from this experience now and I can embody that, hey, there's another way. It's called, I have my words or, you know, or I can go to someone to help me. Do you see how that is such a powerful learning experience for that child then that they can actually learn and grow and embody that for the next time? I feel like sometimes we think we're, we feel like we're hitting our head against the wall with kids. We're like, oh, but it's because the technology we're leaning into so often is negative or aversion. Mm-hmm. And that only causes an aversion. It actually doesn't cause learning. Mm-hmm. So they, it actually triggers things like lying or doing it when we're not there because it's not empowerment-based education. They haven't actually learned. They've just avoided. So yeah. that's, that's what I would say about the difference between discipline. Discipline is very firm. It's very clear. And my child might cry in the face of my discipline. It doesn't mean that I'm doing it wrong if my child is having emotions. That, that's probably one of the biggest things I teach is to let go of happy as your barometer. Because <laughs> as positive, mindful parents, we think that if we're doing it, quote, right, that we're going to be kind of blissed out on top of a mountain, everybody's going to be in lotus pose, <laughs> you know, and it's going to be this really yin, you know, yoga experience all the time. Actually, that's where emotional intelligence come in. It's actually going to be a very emotive experience if we're having a mindful experience. Because mindfulness is being present in the moment with non-judgment, right? With joy and ease. It's, it's being there in the baby crying with the, that's hungry with the wet diaper. It's not denying or suppressing that. It's mm-hmm. just being there. Like mm-hmm. in the chaos. Like, here I am. I'm, I'm in the chaos <laughs> with my emotional toddlers who are very not happy right now that they don't have the color lollipop that they wanted. You know, I am there now. And then you can show up more powerfully. That was beautiful. I really appreciate that that answer about it. Only, aversion only causes aversion, and and there's not that learning there. And so, going back to that idea of connect before you correct, it's like, yeah, like when we can connect, when we can not be a threatening to the, our child's brain, and we can actually then we can teach them about you know this is how this affects the word the world and things like that. And that is, that is a, a consequence, you know, that, that, you know, there are these natural sort of consequences to those experiences. And I, I really appreciate that. So this idea of, you know, being mindfully with our, with the chaos, <laughs> you know, being mindfully with the chaos. How did you do that yourself when your, your kids were younger? You've got four kids. How did you, how did you? They're, they're twins right there at the end there. So. Oh my goodness. So how do you, and how did you, when they were younger, have the, fill your cup, have the wherewithal to be able to have enough bandwidth for you to be able to sit with chaos? Yeah. I think you're hitting on such an important distinction, which is that it really starts and ends with us, right? Mm-hmm. It really does. And it starts and ends within my body with really uprooting guilt as a motivator. I like to say that guilt is the poorest of advisors. And and he was like the head counsel in my body, right? Like, you know, if you think about the, the movie, uh, what is that? Inside, Inside uh, Out. 
Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, right. Right. You think about I, I don't know where guilt was, but he was surely at the head of my panel. You know, I don't know where that character was in the movie. They had anger, they had fear, they had all these things. But if you think about guilt at the panel, that was the quickest way for me to lose my power. So literally the practice for me was just noticing when it was running me. And you know, here's something interesting. When you talk about emotional intelligence, one fourth or 25% of our emotional intelligence comes from what they call self-care or self-management practices. That's huge. And if you just really let that settle in, it's not just going on vacation or getting your nails done, you know, like we talk about, oh, you know, take a break for you. It's really emotional intelligence. It's like the root of our emotional intelligence comes from our ability to love ourselves, to care for ourselves. So I think when I let go of guilt, which was surely running me in the first five years, I would feel guilty if I left my child to go rollerblading with my friend. So the entire time I remember when my, my first child was a baby, it was the first time I was like left her to go do something fun just for me. Right. And I met my, my best friend at, at the park to go rollerblading and it's a six mile loop. And the whole time I'm rollerblading, I'm at home with my baby. Right? Mm-hmm. I am not there. Then what happened? I'm feeling guilty. I got home from rollerblading and I felt guilty for not being there with my friend. Because <laughs> <laughs> I just realized I just was not present to my, my best friend. I was there for, for an hour and I wasn't present. I was back here. So now I'm back here and I'm not present with my child because I'm feeling guilty that I wasn't there with my friend. And I, re- I kind of realized in that moment, like, hey, this isn't real efficient. <laughs> this isn't real efficient because now you did neither. So I just sort of had an embodied experience of where my power lived and my power lived in where I was in that moment. And if I could start to really believe that, then I could actually hit the pause button on certain things and almost compartmentalize them and pause something to be here now you know, and then to really honor that this experience I'm having right now is worthy and to give it to myself. Um, and besides you're there anyway, you're there all the way. <laughs> you might as well be there all the way. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Yeah. I, I love this idea about self-care as restorative and a practice. I think people think of self-care as like girls night out or take a trip with your husband or go away, you know, go away, go get a massage, go get your nails done. Now those are all lovely things, but really my restorative practice was in my head. It was in my breathing and it was in my thoughts. And when I started treating myself a little nicer, you know, and started noticing what was going on in my body, my restorative practice it doesn't take any more time. We're already there. And that was a game changer. That was really a game changer for me because it, it's efficient, right? You're already right now, right where you are. How are you treating yourself right now? You know, are you treating yourself with love? Do you hold yourself, really hold yourself in the sort with the sort of loving, adoring eyes that you hold your child? Can you turn those eyes on yourself right now. Just do it. I mean, that's, that's it for me. It's just right now, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a change of mindset, right? And yeah. it's a change of mindset that my well-being and health and happiness is just as valuable yeah. <laughs> as, yeah. as the well-being and health and happiness of everyone in my family. And for me, it started with, I am enough. Yeah. The root of my not being able to prioritize myself or of giving, giving, giving wasn't anything other than I was not truly able to hold myself as enough, Mm. really enough right now today, just the way I am. Mm. When I really sat in that, then just the other things really started opening up for me. Breathing in, I am love. Breathing out. I am enough. I am enough. I am enough. Oh my goodness. So there's so much I could talk to you about. I just wanted, I want to see what you think about kind of the, the idea of the intensification of parenting and that, you know, all the information out there and some of the 
you know, this idea that some of the pressures and the things we put on ourselves as parents, um, you know, does, it, does some of our intensive parenting undermine us, especially as women? Oh, absolutely. So we live in an information age. We just have to recognize that. And if you're going to live in it powerfully, you want to have information. You don't want information to have you. Okay. So it's sort of like, are you working the technology or is the technology working you? So, and that comes back to intention and it's new for all of us, right? So we learn through experiences and none of us have been raised at this age as digital natives. We're all new to this world. So it starts with me for saying, number one, I have information, which means when I come to a book or a podcast or a class or a friend who I'm talking to about my experiences, and maybe I am looking for support or knowledge, I want to pause and really clearly set my intention to listen with my body, not my brain. Listen with my body. So when you hear this podcast and something lives for you, I like to say that you are remembering or the thing that you are hearing is lighting up in your body and you're having a bodied experience of something you already know. But be aware that in this information age, you can be very quickly disempowered and give your power away to all the experts, quote unquote, and books and things outside of you. And then you're actually having a dis embodied experience. So we all know what that feels like. You know, your best friend or the guy, not your best friend, down the street tells you or your mother-in-law or you're feeling judgment and shame because something you see on the TV or read in a book. That's a disempowering, disembodied experience. So that for me would be my my thoughts on that. Mm. Yeah, we, we have to be curators now. Like I think that for millennia in human history, right? So forever, we were gathering resources. We were getting resources. We were always doing that, right? And now it doesn't make sense, I think, for the human animal to us to be able to have to say no to resources, to like, to curate, to declutter. You know, it's interesting. It's like a big shift, I think. To refine. You are the filter, right? You really are the filter. Have your filter in place consciously, If you have your filter in place consciously, all the information can be coming at you, right? Just like a baby that I work with in infant massage class has a lot of sensory information coming at them because we're sensory beings, but it doesn't have to run you and it doesn't have to be a negative. It can actually just be kind of awesome. It can be like awesome, just awe-inspiring. You can look out and see all this movement and energy and wisdom and ideas and people and sensory data out there. And then you can have your filters in place. And what will happen is it'll be a much more regulated experience to be in this information, hyper-connected information age that we live in. I'm super excited to be in the information age we live in because I couldn't do what I'm doing and make the differences that I'm making as a single individual if I didn't live in this hyper-connected world that I'm in that says I can put a little thing out in the world and actually affect, you know, people in 40 countries just from my little tiny website, right? <laughs> like that's to mm-hmm. me super awesome about the potential power that we have. And like, you know, you can see something really great go viral and I just really celebrate like, wow, like the, the super collective consciousness that we are is right now, right in front of us. Like we're super tapped into the web, right? The web, the interconnectedness, oneness we are. You can see it that way. That, that's my joy. You know, when I look at it that way, I, look, I see the potential of it. I see the opportunity of it. So I, I don't know, I would just give that perspective that, you know, it can be really disempowering and overwhelming. If it is, then just hit a reset button, shift the way you're, you're operating in the time and age that we're in. Because we're here now, right? This is the opportunity. This is it. This is it. Yeah, we got to give ourselves those moments of pause so that we can be present for all of that. But I love that. It goes back to that appreciation practice you were talking about earlier, like taking this challenge of all of this information coming at us and 
changing that filter to to have that awe about it and that appreciation about it. I really love the way you do that, Suzanne. That's really beautiful. So how can people find out more about you and what you're doing? So Generation Mindful is definitely a community. So if you find us on the web online at our website, genmindful.com, it's probably the one of the easiest ways to start the journey there with the, with the community, G-E-N, mindful, M-I-N-D-F-U-L.com. And just join, you know, it's free. We have a weekly newsletter that goes out. We have a weekly live Facebook opportunity. It's called Feeling Fridays. It's a live chat where I hop on for five to 10 minutes every Friday morning at 9 a.m. Central Standard Time. And we, we break it down. You know, I like to say, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. You know, so we just sort of break down this big topic called feelings and being a mindful family, being a mindful educator. And we pick one mantra a week and we talk about reality versus illusion and then how to really embody it playfully. That's it. That's one. We do that little practice every Friday. So that's how you find us. We're on Facebook, Instagram, we're, we're wherever you are. <laughs> <laughs> Suzanne, thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure to talk to you. I think that the voice you bring to this work is really beautiful and the the way you've taken this opportunity to create ways for parents and kids to connect and to and to really bring these empowering thoughts and appreciations into our daily life is is really beautiful. So I really want to thank you for that. Thank you. And thank you for everyone out there listening. You're you're so awesome. I just so super celebrate who you are, the fact that you're here listening this podcast alone. I hope you're just celebrating yourself right now. (laughs) Yay. Thank you so much for listening today, my friend. I hope you loved Suzanne as much as I did. Now, I want to let you know that you can get my number one most recommended product of Suzanne's, the Time in Toolkit by going to mindfulmamamentor.com slash resources. That's mindfulmamamentor.com slash resources, and you'll find a link to Suzanne's Time in Toolkit and more. So I hope you check it out. I really loved what she had to say about the difference between punishment and boundaries and that hopeful message about the adaptability of our brain, which is so, so wonderful. I love that. So if you have any questions, you are welcome to reach out to me on Facebook or email me at hunter at mindfulmamamentor.com. You'll see me a lot over these days in the in if you want the background, kind of the behind the scenes look of what's going on in my life, you can see that over at Instagram.com. I'm at Mindful Mama Mentor there. And I hope you will be joining me for the mindful parenting free training and that is starting on September 17th and you can go to mindfulparentingcourse.com slash free training to join us there and then we'll be live every day doing trainings you can you know we'll record everything if you can't make it but I hope you'll hope you'll be there with us and I'm wishing you a beautiful week my friend I'm wishing you some peace and some equanimity in your week And as we are here at this crazy season, time of transitions indeed. So I'm I'm sending you wishes for peace and in my own family too. Oh my gosh, absolutely. So I will talk to you soon. Talk to you next week. Namaste. Are you frustrated with parenting? Do you want to practice conscious, compassionate parenting, but you don't know how? It's not easy and there's no roadmap for this. Until now, I'm Hunter Clark Fields, creator of the Mindful Parenting Course, and I know how frustrating it is because I've been there. I struggled as a young mom, and when I found myself yelling and triggered by my child, I knew there had to be a better way, and there is. Mindful parenting is different from other parenting trainings. They don't tell you that all of that good advice is as good as useless when our internal stress response is triggered. Mindful Parenting teaches you research-based tools and practices to reduce your stress response so that you can respond rather than react. And it teaches you exactly what to say so that you can create willing cooperation from your child. You can learn more and enroll at mindfulparentingcourse.com and you can join us for a free live training coming up soon where you'll learn why your kids don't listen to you 
how your brain undermines your parenting, and how to create cooperative kids without losing your temper. Sign up now at mindfulparentingcourse.com slash free training. That's mindfulparentingcourse.com slash free training. I'll see you there. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free.